So the concept with the mellified man is to macerate the honey-soaked corpse with more honey. The body is then sealed up in a vat of honey for a hundred years. It's basically the world's worst time capsule. Welcome to A Popular History of Unpopular Things, a mostly scripted podcast that makes history more fun and accessible. My kind of history is the unpopular stuff, disease, death, and destruction. I like learning about all things bloody, gross, mysterious, and weird. So in a past episode, I talked about Europe's foray into socially acceptable cannibalism, with corpse medicine. For those of you who didn't listen to that episode, I'll give you the quick version. Essentially, Europeans used to believe that blood, skulls, ground up mummies, and other bits and bobs from human corpses could cure most ailments. Suffering from seizures? Well, drink the blood of someone who was recently hanged and bonus points if it was recent and the death was really, really violent. And this was an established medical practice, by the way. It's not just a few people with some really out-of-the-box ideas. And this went on for, for a long time. But it wasn't just the Europeans that had ideas about turning their dead into medicine. So today, I'm going to introduce you to mellification. It's the process of turning a man into a mummy, but one that is comprised of almost entirely honey. And the end result of this process is to use this man's squishy honey body as a form of medicine. And although the mellified man story we're going to explore today comes from China, there are records of honey being used to mummify the dead that go way further back in time than that. So I'll explore a little bit of that history as well. I feel like I need a really cringy transition to get to the actual podcast. Should I do a, should I do a cringy transition? How about... Cannibalism just got a whole lot sweeter. How was that? Did that work for you? Anyway, so the word mellification is a term that refers to the process of making honey. To mellify a man, then, means to turn a man into honey. This one is going to get really, really weird, so buckle up. So, we know about the mellified man because of a late 16th century Chinese medical text called the Ben Sao Gang Mu. Okay, the Ben Sao Gang Mu. It translates into English as the Compendium of Materia Medica. We'll also sometimes call it the Great Pharmacopoeia. All right. It was published by Li Shishen during the Ming Dynasty in China. That's the 16th century, 1500s. And it's our oldest known record of mellification. But what's interesting is that Li Shishen tells us that the practice didn't originate in Ming China or even in ancient China. And he claims that it's actually an Arabic practice that the Chinese adopted. The problem with this source, and this is the teacher in me coming out now, is that it relays a secondhand story, meaning that Li Shishen in his book tells the story of what he heard happened in Arabia. Right? Now, here's the English translation of what is written about in mellification in the Ben Shao Gang Mu. And warning for those of you with sensitive stomachs, this passage describes how a man goes about turning his insides into honey. It's kind of gross. I've made a few edits for readability's sake, but I tried to keep it as close to the original source as possible. Quote, 
In the lands of the Arabs, there are men 70 or 80 years old who are willing to give their bodies to save others. He takes no other food or drink, only bathing in and eating honey till a month after his feces, sweat, and bodily waste are nothing but honey. And then death ensues. His compatriots place the body to macerate or soften in a stone coffin full of honey with an inscription giving the year and month of burial. After a hundred years, the seals are removed and the confection so formed is used for the treatments of wounds and fractures of the body and limbs. Only a small amount to be taken internally is needed for the cure. Although it is scarce in those parts, the common people call it mellified man. I myself do not know whether the tale is true or not. In any case, I append it for the consideration of the learned. End quote. Okay, let's break this one down. So, the first thing the source makes clear is that this person who's going to be mellified does so willingly and starts the process before death. So, take an elderly man, okay? He essentially agrees to donate his body to medical science and eats nothing but honey for at least a month before his death. Can you imagine what eating that much honey must do to your insides? I mean, I guess it doesn't matter because the guy knows he's going to die from doing this anyway, but that is so much sugar. In fact, you know what? I actually looked it up. Eating too much honey can do the following. It can cause weight gain. Um, And all the problems, of course, with weight gain, like heart problems and type 2 diabetes. It can cause you to develop bee pollen allergies, so that's a thing. Uh, It'll give you diarrhea, and it can even give you food poisoning if there are certain bacteria in there. Another thing that I learned in researching the negative side effects of too much honey... Do not give honey to babies under one years old. Apparently, it can cause a rare but serious case of, are you ready for this? Infant botulism. Because there can be Clostridium botulinum spores in honey. And little tiny baby stomachs can't process the toxins that come from infant botulism, and it can kill them. So, that's a thing. So these guys consume nothing but honey for over a month, until they are literally a honey-making machine. They defecate honey. They sweat honey. They bleed honey. I can't even imagine how many UTIs they must have gotten from having to urinate all the honey out, okay? Like, literally, their whole diet was honey. And then, shortly after that happens, I imagine, they die. One source said it can take two months from the beginning of the process. A slow, mellified death. Did the honey kill them? Kinda, actually, right? Because eating nothing but honey is going to starve your body of the essential vitamins and minerals and nutrients that it needs to function. And couple with that, all of the lovely side effects I mentioned earlier, and that's a sweet little recipe for death. Okay, so eating nothing but honey, now there's just this honey-saturated corpse on the ground. Or maybe slumped over in his chair or rotting away in a bed. Who knows, right? But Do you think he was, like, squishy at that point? Do you think the corpse was squishy, like the honey turned all of his insides to mush? I mean, that was kind of the point of mellification anyway, right? So, anywho, you've got this body. It's going to be sealed up in a coffin, filled with more honey, so that the body can macerate. And if you haven't heard that term before, chefs do this a lot with cooking, right? So, let's take a strawberry, for example. And feel free to go do this in your kitchen if you're not already too grossed out. 
take a strawberry, right? Take some fruit and sprinkle some sugar on top of it. Not the fake stuff, by the way. Don't just dump a packet of Splenda on some fruit and expect it to do anything. If you put regular sugar on fruit and wait a bit, it will start softening. The fruit and the liquid, the, the juices all kind of seep out of it, right? And then you have a delicious fruity sugary syrup as well as the original fruit just softened and it's good to eat as is or you can drizzle it on top of a cheesecake. Oh, the possibilities are endless. It's delicious. Now, you can also macerate with honey because honey, of course, is primarily just sugar. So the concept with the mellified man is to macerate the honey-soaked corpse with more honey. The body is then sealed up in a vat of honey for a hundred years. It's basically the world's worst time capsule. So theoretically, in a hundred years, you just pop that bad boy open and you've got yourself some grade A human honey. Gross. Now, according to the source, this medicine would be used to treat wounds and fractured. And you're not just slathering it on top like a liquid Band-Aid. You consume a small amount of it. So hooray for cannibalism, right? This is just medical cannibalism. It's corpse medicine all over again. Do you think the human honey candy would smell at all? Or would the sugar have just macerated the body so much that it just overpowered the rotting process? I mean, I actually have to imagine that all the honey would actually preserve the body, though. So the mummy would still be pretty recognizable and, you know, just covered in sticky honey. Now, we know, for instance, that 3,000-year-old honey was found in King Tut's tomb. He wasn't preserved in it, but they did find honey pots buried down there with him. It was apparently to keep him happy on the journey to the afterlife. And yes, this 3,000-year-old honey was still edible, because when the guys who found King Tut's tomb in 1922 discovered the honey, one of them tasted it and miraculously didn't die of any mummy curses. And in fact, it apparently still tasted sweet and fresh. I do not recommend doing this, either with 3,000-year-old King Tut honey or just old honey in general. If it crystallizes, it's okay. That's just because of the sugar in there. But if you're curious as to why honey that old can still be sweet, it's because it has a low moisture content and a natural acidity, which means that as long as it's sealed, bacteria aren't going to grow on it and it won't go off. I'm sorry, I'm going on a tangent now because I've fallen deep into this honeyed rabbit hole. Now, for a long time, King Tut's honey was the oldest honey in the world. But in 2003, an even older stash of honey was found in a tomb in what is now modern-day Tbilisi in Georgia. It's where the Martkopi and the Bedani farming peoples used to live thousands of years ago. Now, the tomb, as was common in those early agricultural cultures, would have belonged to the chief or someone equally as important as the chief. And there were actually several, I think six different bodies buried with him. It could be that they too were important, or maybe they were buried with him in death and didn't have a choice. There are plenty of stories, by the way, and cultures outside of this area where when an important person died, others were expected to follow him into death regardless of their personal feelings on the matter. But anyway, the honey that was found in this tomb was 4,300-year-old honey. It was used to preserve a wild red berry of some kind. And when archaeologists found this berry soaked in honey, apparently it was still red and really well-preserved despite being over 4,300 years old. Isn't that wild? They would soak the berries in honey, by the way, and use that as a form of medicine, which is personally infinitely preferable to the mellified man. And with that, we have come full circle back to the mummy. 
Honestly, I pride myself in the skill of being able to bring a tangent back to the topic of hand. I perfected this after 10 years teaching high school history. Thank you very much. Now, what I want to know about this source is can we even trust it, right? The original source, this Chinese source, the oldest one we have, even says that it can't verify whether or not the story is even true. So let's put on our thinking caps. How else would we be able to verify this story? What are some of the key details that, if true, would exist? And this reminds me, and sorry for another small tangent, of the Cannibal Plateau episode I did a couple episodes ago, where Alfred Packer, cannibal in question, claims that his traveling companions all died, one after another, en route to a camp in the San Juan Mountains. And if Alfred Packer's claim was true, then the authorities could just retrace the route and find the bodies where they died, right? To find out more about that and if they found those bodies, go listen to the episode. It's number 24. So here with the mellified man, if the source was correct about putting them in honey and using them as medicine after 100 years, we would have physical evidence of these coffins filled with squishy honey bodies, right? It stands to reason. If it was a practice that was actually done, then we should have some physical evidence of it. Has there been physical evidence of a mellified man? No. Unfortunately, no. We don't have any evidence of these Arabian men who volunteered themselves to become honey candy to be consumed as, like, the world's grossest cough drop. So where did this story even come from? It seems like a lot to just make up, right? So the notion of the mellified man probably comes from two different sources, and one I've actually covered in a previous episode on this podcast, Corpse Medicine. There was a long-standing tradition of using mummies as well as fresher corpses as medicine in Western Europe. Mummies would even be ground up into a brown shade of paint. Can you imagine? Like, hi, yes, I'd like to paint the walls of my new home with powdered dead bodies, please. I want that super chic mummy brown all over my house. Yeah, thanks. I'll take five cans. For more on corpse medicine, go listen to my podcast episode about it. I think it's number 12. Now, the other potential source other than corpse medicine for the mellified man story comes from self-mummifying Buddhist monks. Let me dive deeper into this one by introducing you to monk Sangha Tenjin from the northern Himalaya region of India. Now, Sangha Tenjin is a 550-year-old corpse that mummified himself through asceticism. Asceticism is a lifestyle choice made by a lot of Buddhists where you refrain from pretty much, well, I should say Buddhist monks, not all Buddhist, Buddhist monks, where you refrain from pretty much everything that gets in the way of achieving nirvana, not the band. You would live a frugal lifestyle, renounce all of your possessions, have no physical pleasures, and engage in fasting frequently. Fasting, for those of you who don't already know, is where you don't drink water or eat food for a period of time. Now, Sangha Tenjin would basically have mummified himself by intense asceticism. If he fasted too much, he would have withered his body away, fasting until he died. Now, hopefully he was able to ascend and reach nirvana, not the band, before he died, or else that would be a really rough way to go. So, some historians think that perhaps the concepts of Buddhist self-mummification and corpse medicine got rolled together into the rumors that Arabs for some strange geographically challenged reason, were creating human honey candy to treat a variety of ailments. But since there's a lack of physical evidence, it's hard to trust that this second-hand source is relaying actual facts and not just rumors. 
Now, another potential source for this misinterpretation might come from Burmese Buddhist monks from Burma, right? Now, today's Myanmar, who used to preserve their dead in honey, not to turn into human candy, mind you, just to mummify them for preservation. So, after all of that, is the mellified man even a believable story? There's no evidence to assume it happened, but can we believe that it could have happened? Well, yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, we know that corpse medicine was a thing, and that mummies were used in all sorts of ways to treat illnesses. We also know that both people and things were put in honey as a way of mummifying and preserving the dead. So is it a stretch to think that the mellified man exists, combining those two concepts together? No, not for me. The problem is, again, there's just no proof. It's all conjecture and rumor. It's also a really weird and gross thing to think about, isn't it? Donating your body to medical science by consuming nothing but honey. Excreting nothing but honey. Sweating honey. Bleeding honey. Becoming one with honey. And then, after a hundred of years, people will eat you to heal a tiny flesh wound. (laughs) So, that's another episode about cannibalism for you. For those of you keeping score, put a tick mark in the yes column for whether or not I managed to bring it up again, because I did, in fact, bring cannibalism up again. Or better yet, why don't you just go ahead and become a cannibal by joining, not in, not in real life, by joining the AFOUT Patreon. Only my cannibals get exclusive benefits like being able to request a future episode or drop day live streams and more. And there are other levels too, so please consider supporting me however you can because I'd really appreciate the help. Thanks for joining me for this episode of A Popular History of Unpopular Things. My name is Kelly Beard, and I hope you've enjoyed the story of the human honey candy and the mellified man. Thank you for supporting my podcast, and if you haven't already checked out my other episodes, go have a listen. And again, please consider supporting me on Patreon. Be sure to follow my podcast, available wherever you listen, so you know when new episodes are dropped. And stay tuned for A Popular History of Unpopular Things.